<laughs> here we go. <laughs> Michael gave me no warning. So here we are. Episode 30 of the Jamiro podcast. My name is Robert. I'm joined today by Michael. Hello. And another row, Rollins. Hey. How are y'all doing today? Doing well. I have been busy today. I'm tired. That's about it. I just want to go to sleep and start over again. <laughs> it sounded really bleak and dark, but I'm good. Alrighty, and this has been episode 30 of the Jamiro <laughs> Podcast. Michael's going to go take a nap. Right and... now. Alrighty, we'll see you guys next week for our no, 31st episode. <laughs> we're not doing it again. <laughs> I did actually listen to the 58 second episode. It's probably my favorite. It's. I think it's our favorite too. Yeah, it was really good. Honestly, I had so much fun with that one. Rollins, how are you? I'm fine. I started a new job today, so that was something. Nice. Yeah. Tell us um, about it. Well, Michael, I'm assuming, probably knows, but I don't. So. I mean, I didn't do anything today other than that I had to do some um, training, basically saying I won't violate HIPAA, which I, I don't really have the op- or I don't really have the access to violate HIPAA, which is good because that means I won't do it. Um, That's good. Yeah, and I uh, didn't get lost, so that was nice. Um, I asked my dad if he'll eat lunch with me tomorrow because we now work at the same place and he told me no. So that's kind of rude. But other than that, it was fine. (laughs) Denied. Jeff denial. I was like, you want to eat lunch with me tomorrow? And he was like, no. And I was like, cool. Got it. Solid. Thank you. Glad I work here now. (laughs) I sit with the cool kid's dad. Um, just to uh, sort of clear some things up here, Joey uh, was supposed to be on this episode. We've already recorded the Halloween special that will go live Sunday, uh, so Joey will be on that one. But he is not on this one because he is currently in Disney World with his girlfriend Kristen. So I hope they're having fun. I'm very jealous and now hate them. So yeah, they are currently performing the ancient ritual to bring back Roy Disney, who can bring back Walt Disney. It's a complicated <laughs> process. <laughs> We need Walt's older brother, Roy, before we can bring back Walt. He had his body preserved, but it's a complicated step process, like involves some necromancy. And Joey's been studying this for years. And so we'll see what happens. If you see uh, Walt Disney roaming around, he's probably just trying to get his bearings. So, like, you know, he's been dead for 50 years. So, you know, go easy on him. So are they both on ice then? Is that what I'm gathering? Because I thought it was only Walt that was on ice. No, Roy, I think, he was he cremated? Maybe not. So well, cause really... have, you, have you heard the conspiracy theory about why they created the movie Frozen? Oh, boy. Let's because Because when you Google, like before Frozen, when you Google Disney Frozen, what mm-hmm. comes up is Walt Disney's Frozen body. But now when you Google Disney Frozen, it's the movie Frozen. So basically they were like burying it under all of that. So that's that's why. So that makes me really think that he's frozen. This is well, interesting. And Rollins, your social credit score just went down by a thousand. So um, <laughs> probably just, you better watch out if you ever step foot in mainland China. Or <laughs> oops. All right. Well, let's see if they come out with a movie called "Frozen De- Deceased Corpse" to see if they can get that off of Google. <laughs> You can't hide from us, Disney. Actually, real quick, fun fact. If you look up Frozen Deceased Course, you might find some interesting articles about the island of Svalbard. It's a Norwegian archipelago 
in the Arctic Circle. It's so cold there that they think that there's like dead bodies from like 1918 Spanish flu. And they're worried that like potentially they could still have, I don't know, some, I don't know if microbial is the right, right word, but some sort of like lost traces of the Spanish flu still on the I island. I have heard about that actually. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating place. I have I have issues with you googling that, but I will admit the other day I googled um how long does it take a body to decompose. So I mean, I, the we're on the FBI's list, both you and I, Robert. Well, no, if if you go to Oregon, natural composting, you know, how long does it take a, a body to decompose? You know, and just yeah, it's a legitimate question. Is just that say, where the body farm is? I don't remember where it is. Well, it's legal to just put a body in your backyard in Oregon now. So, well, that's not. I mean, no one wants that, but like, well, the Oregonites do. Oh, well, they're weird. Sorry, Oregon. <laughs> I mean, a body washes up on your doorstep. What are you going to do? You throw it in your backyard. Exactly. Uh uh-uh. uh Thanks, Oregon. <laughs> so uh, we're talking about Dune today. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if we're gonna have topics per se. Um, I figured we'd we we're gonna do a, a Jomiro review of Dune. The last review we did was Olivia Rodrigo sour. <laughs> so if it goes about as well as that, then you guys are in for a treat. You could say it it might go sour. No, this has been the thirtieth episode of Jomiro. Uh, five minutes in, we made it longer. But... Yeah, five times the length of our best episode. What more could you ask for? <laughs> um, tell me about, before we start talking about our thoughts about the actual film, I want to hear how you guys, I want to hear about the experience. Like, where did you guys see it? What was the movie theater experience like? Um, did you watch any trailers? Those sort of uh, pre-movie questions. So we watched it at our uh, local AMC theater. We watched it in Dolby. We watched it in the Dolby theater, um, which for those of you who are unaware, it's uh, essentially an enhanced sound experience. So the sound is really intense and like layered and detailed. And it's, it's just it's more immersive, I think. Yeah, so like if something like a ship like flies over stuff in the movie, like it, the sound travels above you. So it sounds like the ship's above you. Like that's uh, what it's supposed to do. And like that could sound gimmicky, but it honestly, I've never had an experience where it doesn't sound natural. I, mm-hmm. I think my favorite experience was seeing Scott Pilgrim versus the world in, Do- in Dolby. Oh. I'm not going to talk about First Man in Dolby. First Man in Dolby was phenomenal, but d- like. There's just something about going to a Dolby theater and seeing a movie with music in it that just sounds like it's like actually like right in front of your face. It's it's awesome. And I recommend everybody just goes to see Dolby movies because they're great. Um, well, there's also uh, Dolby makes a cameo in Harry Potter 2. Um, <laughs> you can see him there. He's also in Harry Potter 7. Uh, uh, six too. I'm pretty sure. Six. Yes, you're right. Very brief. Um, and then spoiler, he dies in seven. That's the last time you'll get to see him. So he gets a sock at some point. You're That's just true. firing on all cylinders today, Robert. Yeah, I. <laughs> Dune's got me feeling something. <laughs> uh, I can't even. I don't even know how to follow your Dolby comment. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so wait. So wait. I, I want to hear. I think you guys know this. I have a particular view about trailers nowadays. Right. So I, I want to know: Did you guys watch trailers? If so, how many trailers did you watch? How much information about Dune did you have before going into the movie? 
Yeah. So I tried to stay away from things and from the media as, as much as I possibly could because I know nothing about Dune. And when I heard that they were remaking or turning this book that was a movie and they're remaking another movie and apparently it's like the hardest book to adapt onto screens like ever or something i was like i'm going to go out of my way to know as little about this as possible because i i i'm not uh, like crazy familiar with the director denis villeneuve or however you pronounce his name um but i i loved blade runner 2049 so I was like, I'm expecting good things from this. Um, so I'm going to stay away from trailers as much as possible. I did see like, like they, like who was in the movie. I saw like a trailer and I tried to just kind of like space it out, but yeah, not too much. Um, didn't know too much. Rollins, what about you? Odd news and and Timothy Chalamet were in the movie and that there's a lot of sand. <laughs> and that my book nerd obsessed brother loves the book and he was really excited to see it and so i was like okay well that means it's i mean hopefully it's good um but that is the extent really and i and zendaya had blue eyes and she doesn't have blue eyes so that was very confusing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, robert if i understand correctly you you've at least read the book right no, I, I have not no. read the book. Um, <laughs> oh, for one. <laughs> um, Etta has read the book. I have the board game. And <laughs> I, I know, right? <laughs> well, the thing is, I, I want to talk about this later. The board game is actually like super close to the, the movie. <laughs> it's like scary. Yeah, I'm going to need an entire podcast episode about that. <laughs> that makes zero sense to me. <laughs> um. I knew a lot about Dune. I don't really read many books nowadays, if I'm being honest. I just don't have the the patience for it. Um, and so I, le- I read like a lot of summaries and synopses and watch a ton of like breakdown videos on YouTube. Um, and so, and I have seen most of uh, David Lynch's 1984 Dune. Um, and I also once picked up a copy of Dune at the library, East Hills in St. Joe, and I put it right back down as soon as I picked it up. Um, <laughs> so that's my experience with Dune. Um, yeah, I, you want to get into it? Yeah, I guess let's, let's get into it. My, cause like, so my theater experience was not the same as yours, uh, per se, uh, but I want to talk about movie theater experiences at length for a short portion because I think that is integral to this movie. I think that there's something about seeing this particular film in theaters that really enhances the experience. And I haven't felt that way about many movies. And I haven't really watched many movies in general, and I have watched even less in theaters recently. But this film really really i was just like the theater experience felt great uh i did not even have the full dolby sound that you guys had and i I still was rocked so i can't even imagine what your guys's experience was with every all the sound effects going on because the score and the sound matches everything beautifully the film's definitely not perfect and i'll get into that later but um 
Oh, so many thoughts. This is uh, I, I'm really trying to prevent myself from going full Olivia Rodrigo. Um, no, we want it. Fun. No, we don't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, well, the thing is, you know, I, I think Olivia Rodrigo's thing was overhyped. I think that Dune <clears throat> was underhyped, and <clears throat> the the thing that the the one feeling that I felt immediately as I left the theater was refreshed. This was really refreshing to watch because it was a film that took a lot of hard work. I mean, this is a, like you mentioned earlier, Michael, um, what people say about Dune is that it's unfilmable, like it's unfilmable. It's one of the, the novel masterpieces that just cannot be translated to film because it's so complex. But I think that this was, I think this is the best attempt we'll see in our lifetime, which says a lot about, what Denny did and what the cast did and, and the sound effects and the score. There's so much TLC in this movie that I really appreciate that I, that I think that is lost on a lot of viewers because I've seen a lot of reviews that say that they wanted more from this film. And I, I really, it hurts me that I see that a lot. But I understand it because I think that the current atmosphere with a lot of cinema is easy payoffs, quick and easy payoffs. We want something. We want to feel satisfied very quickly. We want to feel rest assured that the hero is going to survive. We want to feel happy at the end of the film. And we want everything to be wrapped up. And we don't like all the other questions that we have are about very minute details or Easter eggs that have been planted along the way. Or a franchise, like what else are they going to include now that this thing has been concluded? And this film has a lot of ambiguity. And I love that they end with ambiguity. Even though like people who have read the books and have seen the previous movie and TV series know exactly what's going to happen because it's pretty true to form, it, it still is exciting to see what's going to happen. It, like... Again, there are a few flaws that I can I, I can understand why some people may not feel like thrilled in this film, but when when people take the scope of this project and put it into comparison with the legacy that it has, I I'm just like I'm really blown away, and I, the the main refreshing part is it's a film that took a lot of hard work. And it doesn't have any easy payoffs and they don't result to like witty one liners or cringe humor or I don't know, stereotypes or virtue signaling or really anything that a lot of like, I hate to say it, Disney movies do nowadays is it, it just presents the story as best as it can and it takes its time with it. And I really appreciate that. The last time I felt this was, uh, season one of Game of Thrones. Mm. Like, I, I really felt like I was excited. Like, whenever... I, I thought that d the Dune movie was going to be just one movie, and I think that's what a lot of people expected. They were like, oh, this is just going to be one movie. Um, or maybe I was ignorant that there's going to be another part. But I, when I went in, I was like, wow, I can't believe they're going to try and do this all in one film. And then when it ended, and I, I it, it was like, oh, that's it? But then I was like, oh, wait, that means there's more. And that, that brought me back to the feeling I had as a child. The first time that I realized that movies could have sequels. 
<laughs> what do I'm, you mean there's going to be a Scooby-Doo too? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, I was just excited. I, I was like, I, I can tell why people are nervous and why they wanted more from this film because we've been so let down by a lot of the, the formula, the Hollywood formula. But this movie's a risk. I mean, the, the thing is, like, the easy cash grabs work really well. That's why they're called a cash grab. Like, like all of these safe, quote-unquote, movies that have easy payoffs, it, like, they make a lot of money. And it, I, I wish that audiences wanted more from their films. Uh, but, you know studios know that nowadays they can they can take an audience for a ride uh and and like just take their money from them by adding like tons of cgi and loose plot and cover it up with some quirky moments and boom you've got an action film most action films and this film it has action it has drama it has like small tad bits of comedy but it's not like the comedic relief of like a dumb little whatever the puffins are in star Wars, you know, it, it you know, it's <laughs> that there's like little moments. And also the, the acting is so good. I was so happy to see Oscar Isaac as Leto so because good. man, he needed something better than star Wars. And I'm going to keep comparing this to star Wars because this is the sci-fi that I've been looking for. And I think it's sci-fi that, that really people always talk about fans and how films don't respect fans nowadays. I think that Denny, as a fan of Dune, before he made the film, he said that he wanted to reread the whole thing. And I really respect that. I really admire that. Because that means that he also is caring about the fans' view of how this all works. Like how the Dune universe works, how to portray the story. Again, with the, the feat of overcoming something that's quote-unquote unfilmable. And, you know, it, it's... There, there's some things that are not completely straight from the books. There's some things that he adds on, some things that he cuts out. But I, I think overall, it's it's just well done. Like it, it is. I think it is a very good film, and I, I really hope that this this shows people in Hollywood that <laughs> you you can break from the formula a little bit, and it's still going to pay off. Because from what I've seen, it's still doing well uh financially like it's made back all of the money that they spent um it's number one in the box office as far as i saw um and that's really that's that brings me a lot of hope when it comes to just the way that usually when hollywood wants to keep to their formula they'll make a film bomb and the fact that this film hasn't bombed I don't know where Hollywood has placed their influence on this film, but the fact that this film hasn't bombed and it's been a success and people seem to really like it for the most part, that's, I don't know. I'm I'm really hopeful at least for Dune 2, if not more films and at least not more films by this guy, Denny. He's just phenomenal. He also did Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, Sicario, uh, just, you know, this is probably going to be his magnum opus. If, if it's not, then I, I honestly can't wait to see what he makes in the future because he still has quite a bit in his career left. But, okay, those are my 
I know you're going to laugh when I say this, but those are my initial thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm going to do everything in my power to not laugh. Oh, nope. He got me. (laughs) Um, I I also have a lot to say. You covered a lot of ground there and there's a lot I want to respond to. I don't think I'll even remember (laughs) everything I want to touch on that you said. So I'm going to go ahead and let Rollins give her thoughts because I'm not sure she has a ton to say, but or at least that's what you told me. So what did you think of Dune? I thought it sucked. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. (laughs) Um, you talked about the score a couple times, and I did want to talk about that because it was it's uh, was composed by Hans Zimmer, which you know most people don't have a favorite composer, but I do because he composed the Pirates of the Caribbean um, score. And oh man, does that do something for me? I want to say real quick. I'll just cut you off just real quick. Hans Zimmer scores typically have a very similar sound, and this is it's unrecognizable. I, I agree. It, but yeah. the quality is still there for sure. Obviously, it's fantastic. But I, I, when I saw Hans Zimmer was the composer, I was like, what? Well, I noticed throughout the movie that I was like, I really like what this music is doing. And like, you can even tell from the trailers, like the like, like the vocalization in the music and like what that kind of makes you feel. I was like, oh, this makes me feel like something. And it makes me feel like more immersed in this movie, which again for me going back to pirates of the caribbean you know immediately those movies like you know immediately when that like little uh it's called i think it's called like he's a pirate or something when that immediately comes on it's the pirates of the caribbean theme song you know what that is and i kind of felt that that was what he was trying to do with dune which i can appreciate and i think is really cool um and again like not many people have a favorite composer but he, he popped up on the screen and i was like oh no wonder i liked it because i love all of his scores like i used to use his music to study with because it's just so good and it's good to just you can you can pick it out i guess is what i'm trying to say um trying to think what i thought about i know when i talked to michael when we walked out of the theater one thing that i always worry about with movies is um when they are part twos so when there's a sequel i'm always worried when it's a big hollywood thing kind of like what you were talking about robert i i'm worried because, for example, and these are the examples I gave Michael, there are these movies called The Maze Runner. And um, the first one is pretty good. It's pretty decent. I never read yep. the books, so I can't compare it to the books. But the movie is pretty good. And then they decided not to really give it a budget for the second or third one. And they're not very good at all. Like, they're pretty bad. I think that's... a. Uh a symptom maybe of you know they made a lot of money with the first one and Mm -hmm. they were like well people are gonna see the next ones no matter what and they did not (laughs) so let's not put much money into it let's not care yeah because we know we're gonna make money off of it then that's fine and that's fair and i think the first one they or the first one they released in theaters i think the second one they released in theaters and by the third one um pardon my language no one gave a shit and so they put it on tv um and same thing happened with the, the divergent movies again i don't didn't read the book i don't even think i've seen all of them i think i saw one of them um but i know from what my sister has said that the first one's really good and follows the book and then they just decided to just go off on their own little tangent and not follow anything that anybody wanted and they didn't even finish that franchise because none of the actors wanted to continue in it like shailene woodley was like i'm not doing this because you're not doing what we talked about you're not doing what the fans want and i am getting hated because you you guys aren't following the track of these books 
Um, so I think when you translate a book to a movie, it's really hard. Um, I mean, there are some successes in, you know, you're going to cringe when I say this, but like Twilight, mostly among Twilight fans, the movies are regarded as pretty decent, except for the last one. But that's, you know, that's kind of it's eh, whatever. It's that last stupid scene where everyone dies and you're like, but like, why? So but the other rest of them are pretty good. Like the first one's regarded for the most part as really good. Like it follows the book pretty well. Um, and same with like the Hunger Games movies, which I'm actually watching right now because I, I just needed something to watch. Like the first one does a pretty good job. Some of the, there's some obviously inaccuracies from the book to the movie, which I did read all those books and I've even read the prequel that they put out, which they are making that into a movie. And I'm very interested to see what they do with that because that book's kind of boring until the middle of it. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, but like the Hunger Games books to movies are pretty good. Um, but obviously there are a lot of exceptions to that rule. And I think what made me compare this movie to Maze Runner was just the like the desert and the sense of like this world just feels very, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is like desert, deserted. Isolated. (laughs) Yeah. Isolated. Yeah. That's a good way to put it because in Maze Runner, obviously the earth has been like, I don't know, like, what is it something happens with the sun and it gets too close and then there's like some pathogen and everybody Mm -hmm. has something going on um and that's why they're in the maze but i think that kind of reminded me of that and then they like run away and so i will say i'm a little bit worried for the second one because the first one was so good that i'm worried that the second one's gonna kind of suck just because that's the that's the usual hollywood like trope it seems but um, I've really never seen anything that Timothy Chalamet is in. I know people like simp for him hard, um, <laughs> yeah. like hard. <laughs> Again, I don't know anything about him, but I love Zendaya. She's great. She's always been great in everything. Um, and she was amazing in this movie for the, like the five minutes she was in it. <laughs> Which I was kind of mad that she was only in it for like 10 total minutes. Yeah, I, I guess that's – I don't want to say that's a spoiler because she's – but she's advertised so heavily in like the trailers and things now that well, I've kind of seen them. Well, listening to this as a review, spoilers are implied. I, I guess. Not really. Well, spoilers are implied well, now. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, let's go ahead and say spoilers for the rest of it. But it's it's Zendaya is not in the movie a whole lot. That's all. That's all I want. Well, to and and that's fair. And I guess my, like they didn't really market it as a part one, so that also was kind of a spoiler too, because you think it's going to be the whole movie, kind of like Robert said. And I thought it was too. And then when they part popped up with part one, I was like, oh, they're going to do like different acts, kind of like I don't know what a good example of it is. Uh, the Green Knight did it. I think they did different acts. So like, I was like, oh, okay, this is part one, this is part two, great, great, fine. And then the movie ended, and I was like, oh, 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 okay. Uh, I saw Zendaya for ten minutes. Got it. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, and all the advertising, she's on all the like posters, and I was like, that's kind of unfair because the girl who played the mom, Jessica, whatever her, I think her character's name's Jessica. I don't know what the actress's yep. name is, but. She should have been in the prom- promos because she's more in the movie than half those people. And I thought that was kind of weird. But that's just a, I don't know if that's just, that's just my, me complaining about the marketing team. But I thought the movie was really, it was pretty for it just being sand and um, the spice being glitter. I thought was, you know, kind of fun to see because I didn't really understand what the spice was. And I still really don't, but I like the way that they represented it. And I thought that was fun. Um... Uh, I'm trying to think. 
that's kind of really where my thoughts end. I, I I thought it was really good and I thought it was interesting. And I, while it was a long movie, it was, it kept my attention for the most part, which is hard to do. So something I want to, uh, again, I'm going to try and kind of talk about what you guys talked about, but also my feelings. Um, yes, I'm, I'm very happy that it was um, challenging to viewers. Uh, like you were saying, Robert, like Marvel movies, as much as I like a lot of those, um, they when people complain about the Marvel formula, it's the whole like you come in and you meet these characters and these characters all like kind of tell like very similar jokes and they have the same sense of humor and like the the jokes come at the same like pace. Um, you, you know the tone you're going to get in a Marvel movie 90% of the time. Um, and that can be off-putting. So walking into Dune and the first hour and a half of it is just people talking at each other. Like that was so refreshing and, and, and engaging. I I don't know. I I think the universe building is just really strong, but whatever, I'll get to that in a second. Um, something I want to clarify. I don't know if you guys know this, this movie is not confirmed to get a sequel yet. Yep. I've heard that. Yeah. So that which depends. is ridiculous. <laughs> Man, talk about a risk. They're like, all right, Denis, like we're going to give you millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, go make the best movie you can. If it doesn't do well, <laughs> you're just not going to do a sequel. I don't think that's entirely how it is. As far as I understand, um, I think they they've kind of Warner Bros kind of said that they they ha- there's a little bit of like it's not like the movie has to like make a lot more money than they used on to make it um, to, to like warrant a sequel being made Um, because there's also, you have to factor in the fact that the movie is also like day and day on HBO max. So it's kind of like, I think there's a little bit of leeway there, but like you were saying, Robert, yes, it's doing very well at the box office, which is honestly shocking to me because this movie is the, biggest budget slow burn i've ever seen in my life like yeah it's in it's insane so i got okay i'll kind of get get into how i feel about it i loved it um i've seen it twice already actually um i saw it with rollins and i saw it with caleb the next day i saw it with caleb and imax i forgot to mention that earlier (laughs) um something i think denis does really well uh that i saw in blade runner and now this movie is scale um, I think scale is something really hard to pull off um, in in movies, and when you do it right, like the only other director I can think of that does scale so well is Gareth Edwards, and he did um, Godzilla and Star Wars uh, Rogue One. Um, Bad movie. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, so when a director nails it, and there's so many just just massive moments in this movie where there's like the giant sandworms. I, I forget what they call them. Um, I think they literally just called them sandworms. Well, that's easy. <laughs> um, it, like every single second that those are on screen, it you feel like you're the characters running away from them, which can't be overstated. Like it's it's so it pulls you right into the experience when like. Those moments when the music, the visuals, the acting, it's all firing on all cylinders, you are in it. Like they've the so much of this movie is set up, right? Like like I said, like an hour and a half of it is is so quiet and there's a lot of exposition, which, you know, most of the time I think is gonna be a bad thing. 
but in this case I, I it's not like when when the big dramatic like moments happen when when things start going down you feel like every single second of it god i just feel like there's so much i want to talk about i feel like i'm kind of going all over the place i have not felt this way and i think this is the best compliment i can give it i've not felt this way watching a movie especially a movie as slow as it is since watching star wars a new hope for the first time wow like i I think the universe building is so good and the characters are so strong that every second they were talking, everything they were taking, I was just, everything they were saying, I was just taking in like every single word and it just made me feel like I'm a part of this universe that I didn't know existed until I watched that movie. It's, it's not like I'm, I'm hearing a story about a made up universe. It feels like I'm hearing a story about a real universe and that's, that's like the best compliment I can give it. Um, so again, when you see these things happen and you see people die, you see these characters you like die and and everything like it's, it's gut wrenching. It's, it's immersive. Uh, I don't know. I, I had no idea. I didn't expect to like this movie as much as I did. I, I thought it would be good. Like I said, I liked Blade Runner, but I, I didn't think I would walk away saying, man, that two and a half hour slow burn. I want to see it immediately again. (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like it's crazy and and Rollins said it too like the visuals like it's it's like every single frame is like a work of art like I, I can't even describe it from the sand like there's so many like sort of like drug trippy uh flashes and visions and things and it's always just done very purposefully like all of the edits are are very feel very purposeful and like they they put a lot of thought into it and it's like you said like tender loving care like it feels like they thought about every single thing that was happening and nothing was left like to just i don't know i I don't know any other but what better way than to say they, they they just cared it felt like everybody involved in this project cared and it comes through um and I, I really recommend everybody go see it in theaters. Like Robert said, you know, Joey, I'm going to call Joey out. I, uh, we had a conversation before Robert joined on our Halloween special episode. And I was like, yeah, I've got to leave after this because I'm going to go see Dune. And he was like, well, why don't you just watch it at home? And I was like, uh, because I care about the movies I see. And man, I'm so glad <laughs> I didn't listen to him because yeah, I think watching this at home, maybe I'm wrong, you know, maybe I'll watch it on HBO max and I'll still feel like the sandworm is like coming to eat me. But like it doesn't in the movie theater, it just felt so special being there in the theater. Um, so Joey's an idiot. Uh, <laughs> go see this in the movie theaters. <laughs> I was going to say, let me take a second and we're not paid for this though. We should be. Um, if you even care about movies at all, you should <laughs> and you live near an AMC, you should get AMC A-list because What's AMC A-list, Rollins? Michael and I abuse <laughs> it. Like we abuse it. It's like what, 22 bucks a month. I know it sounds like I'm sal- selling it, but I really just care about it. Like I would never just, you know, be a salesperson for AMC A-list, the all-in-one package that allows you special <laughs> deals and <laughs> for only the small price of $22 they, a month. If they paid me to advertise for it, I would like 
I wouldn't even care. Like, I'd say, don't pay me. Just give me it for free. But, like, I would do it. Like, you pay $22 a month. I, again, I'm sorry. $22 a month. And you can go see any movie you want. Like, it's like three movies a week. But you, Three movies a week? Wow, what a deal. Shut up. But you can, go, <laughs> you can go see them and, like, you can see IMAX, Dolby, and, like, what's the other one? Uh, Prime. And it doesn't – it's not any extra cost. So, like, Michael and I will just go see all the big movies that we want to see for, like, nothing, basically, which is super nice. So, again, if you really care about seeing movies in theaters, I highly recommend it and I cannot recommend it more because I don't think I'd go see these movies in on these platforms if it weren't for that. And I think it's really enhanced my movie, ex- movie experience. And I think I'm kind of spoiled now because I if I went and saw this movie in, like, the digital theater, I'd be like, eh, whatever. But because it was in Dolby, it was really good and the sound was really good and I felt very immersed in it. You know what I mean? Like it deserves your attention. And yeah. And, and the 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 fact that, you know, because we're poor. So AMC A-list allowing us to see as many movies as we'd like essentially a week. Um, it, like I, I just feel like it, it gives us a lot of freedom to really enjoy movies the way they're they're intended to be enjoyed i'm not trying to sound like uh, <laughs> who who was the the guy who was uh who said uh marvel movies are aren't real movies i can't remember he's a giant director and i feel stupid now mm-hmm. uh i i don't know he he directed the the irishman oh uh it, uh uh that martin scorsese martin scorsese yeah Yeah. which like obviously brilliant man i'm just (laughs) he's just wrong on that part (laughs) man did you know that uh christopher nolan did a deal with epic games and premiered not premiered um but showed inception in Fortnite. you could go in Fortnite and watch inception now i think that's the ideal movie going experience what about you robert (laughs) i'm saying i'm really just trying to sell robert on a-list because i think he would love it that's fair you guys are single-handedly keeping the theater business alive Uh, (laughs) well but we're not because we're robbing them blind (laughs) well that's Uh, the thing is it kind of encourages you to get um uh snacks. snacks and things which are you know typically i mean they're, they're still super expensive but like it's still half the price of my ticket most of the time yeah. so i'm still saving money it's just like yeah. they they definitely get you there um but you don't have to do that so all right we, we'll, we'll stop the spiel i think <laughs> you I, I think. use our promo code at- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I wish if they gave me a promo code i would literally simp for them so hard yeah they're gonna Let's they're gonna be calls. yeah i'm down okay the, uh, the official sponsor of Joe Miro, AMC. And the color green. That's right. And the color green. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, yeah. Go see Dune on the biggest screen you possibly can. If you can, go in blind um, and just pay attention. <laughs> like, if you pay attention, you go in blind. I, I, it's hard for me to do imagine someone walking out of this movie not at least enjoying it to, to like, some degree. That's a great point about uh, paying attention. So uh, since you mentioned that, so uh, Etta has ADHD and she told me as soon as she got out of the film, she was like, I've never felt that sucked into a film in a very long time. Like she was focused the whole time. It was was just, and the same for me, I just remember going in and I was just like, I I do not want to take my eyes off the screen. Mm -hmm. Like there's just so much to take in. And you touched on the world building and I want to highlight that because 
I completely agree with you. This is how world building should be done. It's not through exposition. It's not, do you remember when your mother and I were on that one planet that (laughs) belongs to the emperor, whose name also happens to be this? Do you remember that time? And then the character's like, oh, I do remember that time. Or they're like, no, I don't. Tell me about it. And it's like, (laughs) oh, that's the worst. God. And so many in science fiction does that a lot. It does it very often because it's so hard to convey like the director is it's really the job of the director is to get people on the ship and then to sail the ship. And a lot of times the director just wants to sail the ship and you, you have to take the time to get all the viewers on board. Even the ones who are staggering, you can leave a few behind because every movie is going to have at least one idiot who doesn't get anything that goes on, even if it's completely explained. But the world building here is just, just pristine. They don't, the characters are, are living in their world. They're, they're not, they're not trying to explain their world to us or each other. And like the only time that it, it, like they really try and explain things, it makes sense in context with the film. It's not a narrator trying to tell you something. It's not characters telling each other something. It's not text on the screen except for the planets that makes sense because how the hell am i supposed to know that they're from caladan unless it says caladan yeah because there's like if timothy chalamet's character what's his character's name in the thing paul atreides okay well he he like a watch those like informational films and i thought that was really helpful and interesting and it made sense in the context and i was like why are we watching these and i was like oh and it makes sense yeah because also with that it shows the sand dance Mm -hmm. and and that's 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 a payoff but it's not a quick payoff it's it's an hour and 15 minutes later approximately that you finally see the sand dance and you're like oh it makes sense paul was it yeah it's like Paul's actually pretty smart. He's been studying this planet for a very, very long time. And speaking, the the one weak point, or several weak points I want to touch on before giving it more praise, because this movie's not perfect. It, I think that Paul's character is a little underdeveloped. I think that he is a little bland at the moment. And his, the, the, I, Timothy's a great actor. I think he's a little bit overrated at the moment just because he's Hollywood's flavor of the month. But um, again, I'm not going to take away from his talent because he is very, very talented. Uh, And a lot of people will simp for him. (laughs) Yeah. Have you seen him in that skit with Pete Davidson? I have not. Oh, you should watch it. All right. (laughs) I'll send it to you. It's he's chef's kiss. But but Timothy has a, he has this like thousand yard stare or it's not even a thousand yard stare. It's like a hundred foot stare that he does with a lot of his characters where it's just kind of like the, the sleepy, sleepy eyes. Yeah. And, and, and all of the time. Tired. Yeah. He's, he's always so tired, <laughs> but other notes on the cast, all the supporting actors played their roles. So very well, like just, there there weren't any like there wasn't any bad acting like the worst acting that i saw was just average acting and some people like really leaned into their characters and i have to touch on oscar isaac again because he just played leto really well like i I just think he played a great dad and also 
just a great father figure, like outside of the context of the story, I would want Leto as my dad. Like, you know, he <laughs> loves oh, Isaac as my dad. I'd want him to be in charge of my country. He yeah. was just doing a good job, man. And it makes sense. Like, it's this, it plays into the whole grand scheme of the universe of like, he is beloved by his people. And like, you know, like all the people are chanting Atreides, Atreides. And, it, you know, it seems like, you know, when you see people chanting a name, it's like, okay, the leader is either uh, vicious and the people fear him um, or oh, very, very wealthy and they've bought them or somehow like born into power and demanding or loved. And you can tell that like Lido is loved by all these people. Like there's so many good relationships. Um, also speaking of relationships, this is probably, uh, you know, this is the best uh, uh, mother-son film uh, in a very long time. You know, that that sort of dynamic is never really portrayed in film now that I think about it. You never see, like, there's, like, a father-son film, father-daughter, and, like, mother-daughter. But I really don't, I can't think of any films that are, like, mother-son-centric. And this film, like, has it. And it, it's, like, a good chunk of the film. And... I, uh, I, real quick, I, I, that's something I keep forgetting to talk about when, when I talk to people about the movie is just how strong, oh God, I can't remember the, the actor's name, but whoever plays his mom, she does a fantastic job and I really cared about her character and the relationship that they both had. Like, I didn't just feel like it's like, she just cares about him. Like you can tell he cares about her too. And it just felt very genuine and real. And I just think that's really important. I completely agree with what you're saying. You don't see that too often, but it was done so well that it's, it's one of my favorite examples. For yeah. credit, her name is Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. That's it. Shout out to uh, the Swedes, uh, her and uh, what's his name? Skarsgård. Oh yeah. Skarsgård's great. Yeah. I actually don't know if he's Swedish. I just know he's Scandinavian. All Oops. right. Well, <laughs> still oh. good. Aaron Harkonnen or Harkonnen. I don't know how it's pronounced by Herbert. Uh, well, he's dead. We can't ask him anymore. Whoops. Um, so. Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. a, a fun take on, on the villain. I thought like very, like especially compared to David Lynch's version where the Baron is like floating in circles and going. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> and it's like a meme where in this film, he's like, he's dark demented and, and conniving and cruel and, and menacing that's the word like especially when he's like floating it's not like a leia floating through space sort of thing <laughs> you know i thought that's, we didn't talk about star wars on quite this the comparison <laughs> <laughs> you know this is like this is like spooky uh, yeah, there's like that moment where he's like sitting down and someone like is like come over here and he just like stands up and he keeps standing up and I was like, oh no, when's he gonna stop being so tall? And it really scared me. He, um, I think so. I I don't have a problem with him. I I I wish we knew more about him, but I I mean that in a good way. Like I I love that we don't know a ton about him. It, I think that mystery was really intimidating for me in the movie. That makes sense. I, I think so. That's another thing. Another criticism that I have of the film is it is very digestible for non super fans, but being a super fan definitely helps. Like knowing a lot about Doom 
Dune helps fill in a lot of the holes, but it definitely does struggle at like feeling, filling the audience in on everything that's going on. But that leaves room for the second film to, to pay that off because they've built it up. They've, you know, they've delivered the start and now they had just have to finish it. And that also plays into the, the film anxiety that everyone feels of like, what if it doesn't pay off? I totally, I still totally Mm -hmm. get that, but I don't know. It, It, (laughs) <laughs> it has gone well so far it, it, excellent realism the scale that you talked about Michael is like I completely agree with you on, on how everything is portrayed it is when you're on a planet like I hate to c- keep coming back to Marvel movies but like that it, it just feels like the, the complete opposite of a Marvel film like sci-fi done in a completely different way and that's also i guess why i'm really refreshed um when you go to a planet in like a marvel film you just assume that everything you see in the scene at least for me i'm like oh that's what the whole planet is like like that is the whole planet right there yeah they don't need to go anywhere else because that's it when i saw dune i was like when even when they w- went to like the small other planets, when they go to the planet where the Shadukar, the emperor's like elite soldiers are from, and they have these bodies that are just leaking blood into a pool, I'm like, that's fascinating. And they don't take any time to explain that. And that is so that is a cool detail. And I'm like, obviously this planet can't be like that everywhere, or else that's you know genocide across this whole planet, not just this one spot. And it totally could be like that. But then you go to the planet, uh, I think it's like Cygnus Prime is the name of the planet where the, the Harkonnens are from. And you get little glimpses of it. It's like dark and very industrialized, but uh, there's so much mystery to it. But there's also so much mystery to the Harkonnens as well. You don't know too much about them, except that they are uh, they scheme and they're greedy and they're the quote unquote bad guy sort of of the film. And then you go to Caladan and you get so much like so many different like, versions of scenery. You have like also like different cultures. This is a it's a water world, but there's like lush green scenery in places. And then you have this. Uh, it almost feels like there is like a, a Spanish influence with the matador that his grandfather was and like the, the architecture inside is unique. And then you go to Dune and it's like even though it's sand everywhere, it's the, the, the mountains and the rocks that divide the sand all feel different. It doesn't feel like they use the same spot in, I want to say they, they filmed in the middle East. I can't remember where, but you know, they didn't just use the same spot for every single shot. They went to different areas to get stuff. And I was like, this is like, this is a big world. Like this is a big universe. And then you get also the ships, you could see them in space and you could see Josh Brolin say like, Oh shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, you see this huge ship that looks like that. It, it is in your atmosphere. You can see how huge it is. And you see like all the, the, the comparisons between like the sandworms and the ship that it consumes and the people in the, the helicopter type things. Scale is like so very important. And it, and it also like shows you, it's like, this is like a lot of like moments in history can boil down to like a single moment sometimes. 
like it's like the big thing about world war one is like okay a guy got shot in the head and it, it spun off into this huge world war well like dune is just a planet it's just a planet in this entire universe and they've showed you that there's other planets and there's other things valuable in this universe but everything is located here it's like this is the place to be this is the important spot and although it's small it also feels big and that is like there's a really powerful thing to convey to an audience. Like they, I don't know. I, I, I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> so I think I, I want to get into my, my biggest criticism and I, I hesitate to call it a criticism because it's, it's almost impossible to get away from. Um, but something that's irked me in nearly any movie I see. Um, so one of the best things about this is what you were just talking about, right? Like everything feels so foreign, but like believable. And you, you really feel like this is the, the center of this or the, the, not the center, but the, the place to be in this universe, but there is that universe still there. And I feel the whole time watching it both times, I felt like just sucked into this world. But what kept pulling me out of it is when Jason Momoa would pop up on the screen or (laughs) Oscar Isaac. And like this, I'm not like, saying anything bad about their performances but they're just such they're so recognizable josh brolin like uh zendaya like i i know that we have to have really recognizable actors in these movies and they do fantastic jobs i i I can't stop thinking about josh brolin when he's training with paul and uh He's talking about the Harkonnens and he says they're not human, they're brutal. And just his performance in that scene is just, oh my God, it's fantastic. It's so captivating. But like, I I still see Thanos there or I hear Thanos. Like, it's, I I don't know. For me, just seeing those actors there, it it, it hurts me because I know we got to do it for this movie to make as much money to, uh, to facilitate its scale and how big it is and how epic it is and then give us hopefully another one but it, it just kind of breaks my heart because that's that's one that was one of the cool things about star wars is it was mostly unrecognizable actor new actors from what i recall i don't think like mark hamill had done very much before that or carrie fisher or, um i know um harrison ford i think had done a couple things bigger but it it, it i don't know it <laughs> It's just kind of disappointing, but I get it, I guess. I don't know. That's just something I wanted to talk about It's it, that bothers me in most movies in general is I like it when I see new actors, but. No, that's a great point. And that's that's one of my biggest criticisms of Hollywood. And I'm, I'm actually really happy that you brought up the Irishman earlier because the Irishman is a symptom of the problem in Hollywood. It is once you're in, you're in and you're never out until you do something horrendous or the, the industry decides to turn on you. That's why you have like these monsters who have like, that's, you know, the Me Too movement centered around like Hollywood people because like Hollywood just keeps people in and, you know, they protect the people who are on top. Um, it's very elitist. And that's why there's so many criticisms of Hollywood. And that's like the thing. It, nowadays, it is so hard for new people to break in unless you're, your mom or dad is an actor, actress, producer, exec, whatever, or, you know, some form of nepotism. Um, it is almost impossible. Like it is almost virtually impossible for someone as a child who has no connection to Hollywood to say, I want to grow up to be an actor in a Hollywood movie and achieve that dream because of the system that they have right now. 
And that's like the Irishman is they brought people out of retirement to do this film that's already been done before. And the Irishman's okay. It's I think it's it's decent. A C plus if I had to rate it. But like that could have been done by other people. Like they, they could have done that by other people. You don't need these great legends who are way past their prime. I hate to say it. They're way <laughs> past their prime to do this movie that's already been done before. And yeah, I, I completely agree. When I see films and someone has like, you know, anytime I see Christian Bale, I think Batman, it's, it's hard. Yeah. And it's like anytime. It, and even worse than that is, uh, I, I, I can't even think of his name who plays James Bond. <laughs> oh, Daniel Craig. Yeah. Like I was, I love knives out, but I, yep. yeah, I just, <laughs> exactly. kept, I kept thinking, I was like, James Bond, James Bond, this accent sounds weird. It doesn't sound right. I love him. I think it's interesting, but yeah, the whole time these people get typecast and it, it sucks. Like I get it. They want to break out into other roles, but <laughs> that's why I also called Timothy is like the Hollywood's flavor of the month. You know, he's in a lot of films right now and <laughs> he's going to become one of those people that's in so many things over time. And but then you get like people like, and sorry to interrupt, but this is we'll just one it. I thought of because my brain went Jason Momoa. And honestly, he was one of the ones that I was like, well, he doesn't have a mustache, so I don't recognize him. And I, I mean, that's bad, but like there were parts where he didn't have facial hair and I was like, okay, I can break this apart from Jason Momoa versus this character. And that was nice. But I went Jason Momoa and then I got mad because you were talking about how people um, in Hollywood basically are in Hollywood until they do something bad. My brain went to Amber Heard and then my brain went to Johnny Depp. And I feel like Johnny Depp is just one of those actors, too, who he can just do anything and everything. And half the time, I do not recognize this man. Like, if you put a picture of him in front of me, I probably couldn't point out that it was Johnny Depp. That's very intentional. Uh, I, I, he sounds like this and everything, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, and his voice, is, his voice is pretty similar, but you will never know it's him until he speaks, yeah. which I can respect. Like him being Mad Hatter in Alice in Wonderland versus Edward Scissorhands versus uh, Captain Jack Sparrow versus uh, Bad Movie, but Grindelwald. Like it's it's nuts. <laughs> like I didn't even recognize him at first in that movie, and it's honestly a tragedy that they're taking him out because he was probably the best part of that movie. Um, Amber Heard sucks, um, but like that's one thing that I think that I, I, I agree with you. I think they do put and Michael and I had this conversation a couple weeks ago, where it's like when you put someone in a movie, sometimes it's all you see is that person. And we talked about Ryan Reynolds being one. Yeah. Like once oh, Ryan, he is just, he is to me at least, he is Ryan Reynolds. He is Deadpool and that's about it. Um, you can put him in other stuff and I don't care. He is Ryan Reynolds. Um, to me, like I love Blake Lively. I mean, I know it's his wife, so that's where my brain jumped, but like <laughs> I see Blake Lively and everything. Um, she will always just be Blake Lively to me just because she's just so like, She's never really a character to me. She's just always like her. But then you have people like, uh, like I, again, bad example. I like Gossip Girl. Not the best show in the world, but it's it's a good <laughs> show. <laughs> it's, it's something else. But to me, uh, Chase Crawford will always be Nate Archibald. But he is in the show uh, on Amazon Prime called The Boys. And he's his character is just a monster. Just a monster in that show. He plays the deep. He plays the deep. Ah, and he yeah. is just, he's just a monster in the show. And I just can't separate it. 
And so it's like that's part of the problem. But then there's actors like I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, I think that Finn Wolfhard does a good job of I always like see him as the character he is, not Finn Wolfhard. Well, he's still aging. Yeah, he's still. <laughs> I mean, but you know what I mean? Like, he's changed a lot from last year. <laughs> right. But like when he's in Stranger Things, I'm like, okay, this is Mike. But when he's in it, he's that character. So he always does a good job to me. And maybe it is because he's a kid. But he's he's one that I always am like, oh, he's a good actor. But if I didn't know who it was, like, I'd still appreciate it, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I think he's a little twerp. But anyway. <laughs> he kind of does seem like a little twerp, but I can, I, you know. Eh. He looks like I'm going to take his lunch money or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that really is a thing. Like, the, that is probably also a symptom of the problem with Hollywood is it, now being a Hollywood actor is like you have a cult of personality. It's it's not just about the film. It's about what is this actor doing outside of the film? What are they doing with their friends? What are they eating for lunch? You know, it, it is like, what are they tweeting about? Are you about to go on a social media rant, Robert? No, I, I well, it, 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 <laughs> not, I'm not going to go on a rant, but I am. I'm, if you insist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, okay. But, I mean, that's, that's part of it is like, yeah, these people are like, this is all part of Hollywood. There's jobs for this. There's PR firms. It makes a lot of money having a cult of people following you, not just in the film where you have like, this is why I really respect method actors is I don't really see this as much. I think the best example is Daniel day Lewis. You know, the man's done what only 11 films. And I think he said he's done. And in every single film he has become his character like literally spent months trying to become this role and i really respect that whereas like a lot of actors nowadays they will take on a role and they're channeling something to 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 do that role and then it's like that character is now also for the fans once that thing is done the the person who i think of a lot is chris pratt you know it's like oh yeah once parks and rec is done everyone still knows him at what was his name andy yeah it's like you know everyone still sees andy in him and he leans into that because it, you know it, it he makes, can and it makes yeah, him money exactly and so it, it it's I've, it's a symptom of the problem with hollywood it's like again it's just like once you're in you're in and in order to stay in you have to play by these rules that are are not really fun like, I'm sure that some of these people don't enjoy getting on Twitter every day and tweeting like a thousand different things. Like some people probably actually hate doing that, mm-hmm. but they have to, to stay relevant. Like relevancy yeah. is such an important thing during a time, which is also why I am a dude made me excited is because this thing, the book came out in 1965. The fact that it is relevant in 2021. Yeah, that's crazy. Is really impressive. Like, and it's gone through two remakes and people still want to watch it like i i doubt any gen zers have read the book uh or care to i haven't read the book so you know like not yeah. so many millennials either it's probably mostly gen xers and some older millennials who have read the source material and even seen the the, the original series and movies but people are still interested because it has a compelling story to tell and the d- director took some time and effort and put a lot of hard work into this thing to make it work um 
know. Well, and to go back to the relevant thing, we we had um, our friend Randy over on like this weekend, and he was talk uh, he was talking to me about like I have a makeup uh, Instagram to do makeup for weddings, and he was like, "Oh, you have that? That's a really good thing." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't really post on it that often because I just I don't keep up with that stuff." And he goes, "Yeah, the algorithm on Instagram right now like only really likes you if you post every single day." And I was like, "Well, that's just not really feasible." Oh, yeah. But you see some of these actors and that's what they do but then there's others who like post once a month and it's like i like i mean taylor swift is a bad but good example of someone who uses social media marketing well but it doesn't work well with the algorithm if that makes sense yeah because she'll post it and when she posts it's like a big deal but sometimes it gets lost in my feed because she's not posting every day but that's not, I mean, that's not bad. That's not bad for probably her or her mental health, but it's bad for the algorithm, which is annoying. But then also to your other point of method acting, the person that comes to mind for me is Heath Ledger. Like, oh, oh yeah. Heath Ledger in 10 Things I Hate About You and Heath Ledger in Batman, two different people, two different people. And oh, man. There, I don't think there will be a better example of method acting than the Joker probably in our lifetime, at least I think, because he just, he knocked it out of the park. Yeah, the the most recent big name person that I can think of is Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, oh, I'm yeah. I'm sure he's a method actor. And it, I, it, is, it is really hard. And that, that's like the thing, like, Dune is hard. Method acting is hard. But like... Hollywood is designed to take the path of least resistance towards more the most profit. And so just to see a film like this and during these times and this climate is is very impressive. Um, and I mean, I've said that a thousand times. Two more things that I want to touch on that I thought were really unique to this film and I won't say in too many words. The language building. I thought was really interesting. They brought on the guy who made the languages for Game of Thrones. Um, oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. cool. So I like when Timothy Chalamet uses his big boy voice. <laughs> the voice? <laughs> big boy voice. Yeah. He's I'm big boy now. Um, oh, actually, two other things. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no guns in the whole film. There's one gun, and I don't know if it's fired, actually. It's a little pistol, yeah, and it gets yeah. taken away. Yeah. And I thought that was so fascinating and also just so refreshing. Like the violence in this film is depicted as violence. It's not sport. It's not fun. It's not like the people who are enjoying it are evil. And that, you know, that again, sh sheds a light on like what violence is. It's cruel. Violence is cruel. And a lot of films, especially Hollywood, like to make a, a big scene of like, ah, oh, you know, violence just happens. <laughs> he's shot. He's dead. <laughs> We're moving on. But it's like everything. And it, it leads to some really cool choreographed moves. Like, it, uh, what the heck is his name? Um, Jason Momoa. His moves, sick. Like, that, oh, that, was, yeah. that was fun to watch. Like, and I didn't mind that it was like, you know, there was some, some fancy flourishes in there, but like, that was like, it wasn't over the top. It was in like the only like guns per se were like cannons that were on ships, but they weren't used at people. They were used on ships and it, it like, 
there's almost like a warrior's code in this whole thing that is embedded in this like feudalistic society of barons and dukes and emperors. And it's just like a cool mix of future and past. Like there, there is honor because like even the Baron who is obviously evil and willing to betray people and implant spies, like he technically obeys the, the promise that he made to the Bene Gesserit mother where he's like, I won't kill them. You know, he could have easily, you know, he doesn't kill them. They are going to drop them off in the desert. But like that is, you know, that's still technically abiding by this code. And the last thing is uh, the diversity of cast was done very oh, well. And it, it wasn't Hollywood loves to just tick boxes. And then they love to say, oh, you don't like this film because of X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, like diversity in, in movies is very important, especially in Dune, which has gotten whitewashed a lot. Even my board game, every character is white, even though <laughs> Frank Herbert based it off of like a lot of Arabic tradition. So it makes sense that a lot of the characters are brown. Nothing like, makes less sense to me than making a sci-fi movie on like another planet and every single character is the same race. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, so stupid. That's the thing. Star Wars. Uh, everyone's British. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, all, you know, it's so, so distracting. <laughs> it's like, but this film, you know, it's like the Shy Halud is like the name of the sandworm and uh, the Kazakh, uh, Kai, Kazakh Matarak. I can't remember the name of like the, the Messiah. That's what Paul is. All these cool names. Like it adds more interesting culture to the film. And it, it's like, it may, it's a universe, you know? Not everything is the same in the universe. There's so many different interacting cultures. And obviously there's going to be conflict with that. And it's not just like Hollywood decided, oh, here is a black actor. We got that box. Here's a gay character. We got that box. And then like this was well done. And uh, I don't know. Just everyone did. Everyone performed in their, their role really well and they even changed one of the characters from the books uh the person who's the main ecologist uh like completely changed the character and like the major dune fans aren't going to care because they did it well so i don't know uh that's i rant over that i'm officially calling no it. you're good you, you didn't rant you you had a lot of thoughts and you kept your thoughts you know in tight little boxes I think you're good. Don't worry about it. I do want to ask, though, last time I checked, you have to leave. Is that correct? Should we wrap up? Yeah, I do have okay. to go. Okay. I'll give my, my final thoughts real quick. I'll let Rollins give her final thoughts, and then I'll let you sign us out, Robert. Is that cool? Cool. Cool. Okay. So um, I love Dune. Even if you have not seen Dune um, and you still listen to this podcast, we didn't get too much into spoilers, um, even if we did, even if you've had everything spoiled for you, I highly recommend you go see it. It is an audiovisual experience that you can only get um, in the theater. It's like peak. So yeah, I, I absolutely recommend you go see the movie um, no matter what, if you haven't already. Um, and I guess that's where I'll leave it. It's just, it's uh, really brilliant. And my God, I can't wait for part two. Um, lot, there's there's lots of dunes. Um, lots sand. I hate sand. <laughs> it's coarse. What, what what is the rest of the line? I don't even know. Rough, coarse, 
It's irritating. It's everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Wow. Well, okay. Um, Sand, um, get AMC A-list. Um, please sponsor me. Um, uh, I, I, I think I understand why people simp for Tim- Timothy Chalamet now. I like him. He thinks he's, he did good. Great hair. He's got great hair. Man. Ma- Ma- Michael, girl, your hair out. Ma- oh, chef's kiss. Ooh. Um, uh, would like more Zendaya, but... Uh, other than that, movie good. She'll be in the next film. Yeah, yeah, that would be funny if she wasn't. She like dies immediately. It's <laughs> oh like, oh, <laughs> if she dies immediately, I will lose my mind. Why was she in this at all? <laughs> I'm gonna score this film. Oh. Eight point nine to nine point three, somewhere in that range. Okay, <laughs> that's really specific. It like the aspect. I'd say the total aspects fall in that range. The best parts fall towards the nine point three. The worst parts fall point that fall towards the eight point nine. Great film. Hope Hollywood sees this as like it, some directors get inspiration from this, and are like, "Hey, I can actually make a good movie and take my time with it, rather than rush through it." And uh, kiss my ass, Disney. <laughs> Ouch. I just don't know why I didn't see a single lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, we need more people running with lightsabers. <laughs> yeah. And we need more mm, fucking <laughs> just witty one-liners. <laughs> Oscar Isaac looks to the camera in the third in the third act of Dune and he says, We have a problem. Palpatine has returned. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh man. I just, I, I'm surprised, you know, they didn't have like a 30 minute escapade where they go to a casino during this one. You know, <laughs> I was like, man, that would have really added to the plot here while everyone else is dying on a ship. They had a whole bit worth like good old Timothy was high on the freaking uh, spice, though. Oh. So, OK, one quick thing. <laughs> Frank Herbert did like tons of shrooms and that's how he came up with the idea for this book and so it makes sense that like the spice you know is like hallucinogenic and stuff oh well and so yeah you know it's just shrooms it's crazy shit that's don't, it don't do drugs kids <laughs> do and if you spice. do do them do them safely let do the drugs flow safely and if you do them illegally just know that there are potential consequences but only if you get caught all right got him <laughs> no <laughs> This has been episode 30 of Jamiro, <laughs> the Dune cast. I have been your host, Robert, with Michael. Yes, I'm here. And Rollins. Yup. And these are our parting words. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, Jamiro. Jamiro. Lots of sand. Jamiro. Dune. Timothy Chalamet has nice hair. The spice must flow. <laughs>